Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, July 18th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Today, making birth control pills more accessible in the U.S. Plus, an RSV vaccine for infants is approved. But first, the U.S. urges Israel to uphold democratic values. That's today's one big thing. Israeli President Isaac Herzog begins a visit to Washington today. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu had notably not been invited, although Netanyahu says that changed in a call yesterday with President Biden. The U.S.-Israel relationship has been strained as Netanyahu presses forward with his controversial plan to overhaul Israel's Supreme Court, despite widespread opposition from Israeli citizens and the U.S. Axios' Barack Ravid is here with what we need to know. Barack, first, what's significant about the call that happened between Biden and Netanyahu yesterday? What the White House was ready to say is that Biden and Netanyahu agreed to meet sometime before the end of the year. No White House official used the word invitation in any way. And Bibi saying that he was invited to the U.S. is interesting because usually... When a leader is invited, he's invited to the White House, to the Oval Office, to Washington, invited to the U.S. I mean, I don't know, where is the meeting going to take place? In Des Moines, Los Angeles? (laughs) Where, where, Where exactly those kind of meetings between leaders are taking place? I think we are still a long way from Netanyahu coming to the White House. And one of the reasons is, I think, that the White House still wants to see where this judicial overhaul is going. Right. And Barack, Netanyahu has resumed his plans for judicial overhaul legislation after suspending them earlier this year when mass protests overtook Israel. So now, a few months later, a bill that would weaken the Israeli Supreme Court's ability to review government decisions could become law as soon as next week. So what is Biden's message to Netanyahu now? Basically, don't move forward next week with this unilateral legislation that would limit the Supreme Court. Do this only if you can get a consensus and a a broad agreement with the opposition. And Netanyahu's answer was, I am moving forward with this vote. And later on, during the summer recess in parliament, I will try to get a broad consensus on other parts of the judicial overhaul plan. But the bottom line is Netanyahu is moving forward regardless of the fact that Biden asked him not to. What are you watching for next then as this judicial reform effort continues? The main question will be how big the protest is going to go. You see more and more IDF reservists who announced that if the legislation passes, they will not report to duty. And this is a big thing because the Israeli military is based in many ways on its reserve service. If those people will stop showing up, then the IDF's uh, operational preparedness will be significantly damaged. Axios is Barack Ravid from Tel Aviv. Thanks, Barack. Thanks, Nyla. Today's decision by the Russian Federation will strike a blow to people in need everywhere. 
That's U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres yesterday morning after Russia suspended the Black Sea Grain Initiative. That's a set of agreements brokered by the U.N. in Turkey last year that lets Ukraine export grain and other items during Russia's invasion. The blockade of Black Sea ports had sent food prices soaring around the world, and the U.N. estimates the agreement helped reduce food prices by more than 23 percent since last March. But the Kremlin complained that the deal mostly benefited Ukraine, while Western sanctions on Russian exports continued. Axios' Lauren Whitney Gottbreath has been following the story and we'll link to her reporting in our show notes. After the break, making birth control available over the counter. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Late last week, the FDA approved the first daily birth control pill to be sold without a prescription. It's expected to be available starting early next year, but just how easy it will be to get this new product, Opil, from HRA Pharma is still unclear. Axios Healthcare reporter Oriana Gonzalez is here with what to watch for next. First, can you catch us up quick on the history here? What was behind this push? Health experts, gynecologists, doctors, they say the U.S. has been behind for years from over 100 other countries where birth control pills are already available over the counter. Those calls to make birth control pills over the counter intensified last year after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. And it's expected that because of all of the abortion bans that have been enacted since, there is going to be an increase in unwanted pregnancies. And birth control pills available over the counter, making them more easily accessible, is expected to really handle and address that aftermath of the Dobbs decision. Why did it take so long for this to happen in the U.S. if this is common in other countries? The FDA, in briefing documents, suggested that consumers or patients taking over-the-counter birth control might not be able to take them correctly if they didn't visit a doctor. And it wasn't until they had an outside advisory committee meeting where experts unanimously said that patients needed to be trusted and that particularly in the aftermath of Roe, it was really, really necessary to increase the amount of birth control options available for women in the U.S. So what do we know about how insurance coverage will work as well as the cost of this pill if it's available over the counter? Under federal law, under the Affordable Care Act, insurers are not required to cover over-the-counter birth control when it is not prescribed. When it comes to this drug in particular, Perigo, the parent company of HRA Pharma, which developed the drug, hasn't said how much the drug is going to cost. And that's an essential part of the conversation. If the cost of the pill ends up being too expensive, then it just might be out of reach for people who need it most. Individual birth control pill packets, they usually cost between 20 and $50 individually. So that amounts to up to $600 a year. And that is when, you know, your insurance can't cover it. What I got from a lot of experts is that they say that Perigo has to be aware that their target consumer here is not people looking to switch from their birth control pills that they get prescribed and therefore get covered fully by their insurance. They're trying to target the uninsured, the underinsured, or people who just don't want their insurance to know that they're taking birth control, say, for example, teens that don't want their parents to know that they're taking it. And so because of that, Perigo has to know that their drug should not be out of reach 
Oriana, do we know how many women in America would like to have access to oral contraceptive, but for whatever reason cannot? Reproductive rights advocates say that allowing for the -the over-the-counter sale of birth control pills could increase access to about 19 million women living in contraceptive deserts, which are areas that lack health centers that offer the full range of contraceptive methods. This specific birth control that the FDA approved is a progestin-only birth control. Those tend to be about 99% effective at preventing unwanted pregnancies. And this is relevant because once it hits the market, then it would become the most effective birth control method to be available without a prescription. Oriana Gonzalez is a healthcare reporter for Axios and sadly is leaving us for another opportunity. You are welcome back on Axios today, anytime. Thanks, Nyla. I'll miss you guys. And in other health news, yesterday the FDA approved the first immunization for respiratory syncytial virus, commonly known as RSV for all infants. RSV is considered the second leading cause of death during a child's first year of life, with even greater risk for young infants. Before we go today, so many of you have been sharing your summer reading recommendations with us. Here are just a few. Hi, Nyla. This is Marie. As the mother of a six-year-old, a lot of my summer reading has been plowing through the Wings of Fire series about dragons. We are currently on book 10, Darkness of Dragons, and we love it. Hello, it's Travis Joe Dixon. I love The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. It's like Quantum Leap meets Groundhog Day wrapped up in an Agatha Christie novel. It's fantastic. You should get it right now. This is Elizabeth from Austin, Texas. I read Romantic Comedy by Curtis Seddenfeld. It's a fun, fast read that I didn't want to end. The book reminded me that I love reading, so I've been reading a little each day this summer. 30 minutes while dinner is cooking or leftovers are slowly reheating. Thanks to all of you for sharing and happy reading. And thank you because I have a few more things to put on my list. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. I'd like to tell you about the Big Take podcast from Bloomberg News. Each weekday, they bring you one important story from their global newsroom, like how AI will upend your life, why China is targeting the U.S. dollar, and how Joe Biden plans to take on Donald Trump. Check out the Big Take, a daily podcast from Bloomberg, wherever you listen.